That was beautiful and wonderful to sing about our Savior's birth. We're going to be talking about that, obviously. We're in the month of December, and we are going to turn our focus on to the birth of Christ and why we celebrate. I know that if you can imagine yourself, you drive into a particular community or a neighborhood, and you hear a commotion. It's a couple of blocks away. Uh, it's not out in Bear Valley Springs because we have no blocks. Um, but you're in a city and you, you kind of hear something uh, over on the next street and you go, oh, I wonder what it is. And you can hear, it sounds like it's a party. It sounds like it's uh, uh, they're having a big time. And so uh, being nosy like most of you are, um, you, you drive over and you make the turn. And as you make the turn, you just see cars everywhere. You hear uh, loud voices coming from a house. And, and as you hear the, these loud voices coming from the house, you, you realize, boy, this is something, something's going on here and it must be big. It must be big. And so, uh, you say, if it's a party, if it's a celebration, some of you are like this as well. I, I need to go. I need to be a part of this. And so you walk into this house and everyone's having a good time and there's food everywhere. It's just laid out this huge spread and people are happy and joyful. And you grab someone and you say, hey, what's going on here? And they say, it's a party. We're having a great time. And you say, yeah, I could see that. But why? Uh, Some of you, um, your attitude is, I don't even care why. I just like a good party. Uh, But others of you are a little bit more inquisitive. And you say, why? What's a party? And, And they say, well, it's a birthday party. It's a birthday party. And you think to yourself, this must be someone pretty important. For it to be this big. And you're thinking about your own birthday parties. And you say, I've never had a party quite like this. I I really don't have that many friends that would come to my party. Um, I've been thinking about that as we come to the Christmas season. And why it is that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And what what it is that we're going to do. I think about in our country... Uh, we take days off for just about anything, don't we? Uh, and most of you are like that. I don't care why. I'm just glad I have a day off of work. Uh, but we have uh, certain individuals that uh, our country has deemed important. Uh, their birthdays and to celebrate what their life has meant. We, we celebrate the birth of our country. And we also celebrate uh, the birth of Christ. Uh, it's marked on our calendar, and those who don't believe in Christ at all willingly take a day off to enjoy their family. Um, you can point that out to them, by the way. You, you can work then. You know, <laughs> I don't believe in Jesus. Twenty fifth, get to work. You know. Uh, anyways, uh, this is what we're going to head. Turn over in your Bibles to John chapter four. John chapter 4, and I'd like to share with you, it's not uh, really so much part of the Christmas story or the birth of Christ, but it's why we celebrate, why we celebrate. I realize too, uh, as we come to this season, a couple of things, that this is announcements time, okay? Uh, the women have uh, their gatherings uh, on this Wednesday, is it Wednesday? Wednesday. I just want to make sure we had that straight. Wednesday this week, uh, we have um, the the cantata. The choir is uh, serving us and presenting for us on the 16th, which is not this next week. 
uh, but the week after. And then we have Christmas Eve services. Now, I, I don't know, sometimes uh, Christmas is a chaotic time. Just in my house, just in my house. I assume that that's not true for you. And um, you're trying to keep the calendar straight, and you're trying to, you know, where do I have to be? What time do I have to be there? And da, 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 da. I, I want to tell you, we want to be a blessing to you at this church. Um, if you look at those Christmas Eve services and say, how am I going to fit all this in? Don't fit it in, okay? Uh, if it wouldn't be a blessing to your family to come and to be with us, that's fine. That's fine, okay? Don't stress out. We don't want to be the stressful church. Uh, we're not going to be taking attendance and making sure everyone has their tie on straight on Christmas Eve and everyone. Don't worry about those things. If you have cookie crumbs all over your shoulder as you come, great. If you can't make it, that's fine too. We want to be a blessing. And if this would be an encouragement to you and your family, we'd love for you to come. In John chapter 4, I'd like to read to you uh, a story about a woman, a woman that you might relate to. Um, as we come to this Christmas season. If you would uh, stand in honor of God's word, and I'd like to read to you. (coughs) Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was uh, making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, And he had passed through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, uh, near the field that Jacob had been given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away uh, into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is uh, is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would get would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than uh, our father Jacob? He, He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. 
what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Uh, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. God, I ask that you would direct our thoughts through this passage and encourage our hearts to be ones who seek after you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. It's part of the story of Christ, obviously. These are part of the details of his life down here on earth. And as we come to this story, uh, he is traveling. He is traveling. It's interesting to me, um, and should be noted, Then in verse 6, it says that Jesus was weary, wearied from his journey. It points both to his humanity and his deity in this passage, that Jesus was both. That he did get tired in his physical being as you did, you do, you do and did and will in the next weeks. Um, All those things. He was just like us in that respect. And as he's weary, uh, he's down sitting by this famous well uh, where the people would come and gather to uh, find water. It's the famous well, uh, as you hear uh, the woman talk about it. It's a, a well that had been used for generations. And uh, it was known to be uh, of high quality, the water. Um, and so they came, people came. As we look uh, in verse 4, it's a real simple uh, exchange. Uh, A woman comes and Jesus is by the well. He has nothing to draw water from. And it's a simple request where Jesus looks at the woman and he says, "Uh, give me a drink. I'd like some water. I'd like some water. And it made total sense because he didn't have anything to draw with and she came to draw water and so she was prepared. And yet immediately uh, she points out something very important that she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. And they had no dealings with one another. They were traditionally and in, in society at that time, they were separate. <coughs> the Jews looked at the Samaritans and said, you're dirty, you're dirty. As uh, you, you look down, um, you see also that Jesus was alone. His disciples had gone away to buy food. And this woman poses this question, and it bothers her, that he is a Jew and she is a Samaritan. And yet Jesus responds, looking at verse 10. He says this, he says, uh, 
if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you a drink of living water. Jesus asks for a drink. She responds with, uh, this doesn't make sense to me. And maybe even with disdain going, why is this Jewish man who probably hates me? Why, why does he want to drink from me? Doesn't he know I'm dirty? It tells us also in the passage that it's in the middle of the day. Uh, possibly this very woman came in the middle of the day because she didn't want to be seen. And you say, well, why would you come in the middle of the day to be seen? Well, it's hot. It's hot, and that was not the time. Traditionally, they would come uh, in the morning or in the evening, so at the end of the day to replenish what it is for the day before or day after or how that uh, comes about. She uh, is concerned uh, about many things. Undoubtedly, uh, you can imagine yourself uh, as you sometimes are burdened and you're out doing your chores or out in the community, you're doing your shopping and your, your mind is filled with your life. With the burdens that you have, the things that you have done, the, the people in your family, uh, the, the burdens and trials that you care. She comes to the well and she finds Jesus there. He asks her for a drink and uh, maybe even uh, in a grumpy attitude, she responds And Jesus responds to her saying, uh, if you really understood what this is, as I have asked you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you a drink of living water. In those verses there, um, the woman, as she gets this uh, request for water, and then he says to her that you should ask me, and the woman just puts it all together. It's very practical. She says, uh, "Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. You know why? How could you get water for me? You obviously have nothing. I have what it takes to get water." And even connecting it, this historic well to their forefathers, the father of Jacob, and say, are you greater than he? Undoubtedly, the answer is yes. And then uh, Jesus goes to the well and he explains this water and he says, this water, you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. And I think about how that is true for so many things uh, in, in our life today. Uh, You know, you go to the doctor and he says, Take these pills. Uh, You're going to have to take one in the morning and uh, one in the evening. Make sure you take them with food and water or they'll upset your stomach. And I want you to take these for two weeks to which you should immediately respond. And then all my problems will be over. (laughs) And and every doctor will kind of they'll kind of go, well, um, you know, maybe some of your symptoms, will, you know, uh, maybe you'll be cured of that. But it won't be over. You think about uh, the cars that you have bought and, you know, the the anxiousness of your own heart when you're sitting down at that table and they draw that box and they say, we have, the, we have your down payment, we have your uh, uh, trade-in, we have your payments, and you, you go through this confusing process and you're nervous and you're getting this new car and all of a sudden you say, uh, oh, it's over. I'll never have to, well, maybe I will have to do that again. Maybe I will have to go through this process again. 
we eat and uh, we don't eat just one meal, right? Uh, we keep coming back for more. And the worst thing about a good meal is you know that it's over, right? Uh, and you'll have to eat again. You get this picture that everything in life, there's a sense of you got to do it again, got to do it again. And Jesus makes this astounding offer claim that he can provide living water that they will never thirst again. This woman, uh, with all her thoughts of the day and this conversation with this stranger, had to be perplexed and going, what is this guy talking about? What is, you know, why is he talking in such veiled terms to me? Is he greater than Jacob? As we look at this passage, the, it continues to go on. Uh, as you, you look at verses 13 and 14, uh, the, the bold claim here is that this water is one of eternal life. That he can give something that will last forever. Forever. I think one of the, the things that causes us to be weary about life is that it happens every day. And it's carryover too, right? If you have a list of things that you need to do and you don't accomplish them, guess what happens when you wake up the next morning? They're still there. And sometimes they've grown in the nighttime. I don't know who did that, but they've just grown. Your list of things to do. And so the greatness of what he calls them to, he says, I can give the eternal life type water. Verse 15, um, the woman responds and you wonder uh, if it's the kind of response where she's she sees the miracle cure and she's in a, such a state of desperation that she she says, I, I want it. I, I, I've been looking for this my whole life. I want it. Or maybe possibly... Uh, as many people who are desperate do as they say, sure, I'll try it. I'll, I'll try anything. You know, I, I've tried, you know, these other things. They haven't worked. Maybe this will work. Probably won't, but I'll try this too. You know, this is the way we live our lives sometimes. We're looking for something else. And so we're just flipping through the remedies over and over again. And we just say, I'll try another one. I'll try another one. I'll try another one. And Jesus says, I, I offer you one of eternal life. He says, she says, I want it. You, you look down at her response uh, in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Obviously a little confused, right? That... uh you know, she said, can I sell this on eBay, this pot that I have here? Because I won't need it anymore, right? Um, I can repurpose it for something else because uh, I won't need it anymore. And, and confused, but she says, I, I know I want it. I want it. And as we proceed, um, I find it interesting to flow this passage because Jesus is obviously in the driver's seat in the conversation. <coughs> it seems a bit disjointed to me. But if you listen to your own conversations, they're pretty disjointed too. Uh, I won't point any fingers or anything like that. 
But we start on one topic, and uh, there's this offer of uh, this eternal life type water, and and she she says, "I I want it," and and you picture Jesus just okay. Uh, you, you said you want it. I give it to you. But how does the passage proceed? Jesus calls her, go, call your husband and come here. Change the subject. <laughs> hey, uh, well, go call your husband. We don't know exactly how that would have fit into the conversation. Maybe he wants this too, or maybe I want to talk to him first. I want to know. Maybe it was just simply uh, proceeding in the conversation what he's going to reveal about this woman. Go call your husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. I have no husband. And now we get this uh, peeling back of the dirty life of this woman, the embarrassment that must have been in her life. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Um, What is it? What is it when people have been married five times and now they're living with someone who's not there? What's at the heart of that? You know, um, I hate to quote a Willie Nelson song, but uh, I believe it's Willie Nelson. Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Uh, it's that it's that picture of saying, I, I'm grabbing for things. I, I, maybe this will satisfy me. Oh, that didn't work out. We'll move over. We'll do this again. And, oh, that didn't work out either. Something happened there and it continued and continued. And some of you are right now are going, well, I've been faithful to my husband, faithful to my wife for a, a long time, however many years, insert the years. I want to tell you this. Um, just because we have been faithful in marriage does not mean we haven't had the same heart in us that goes looking it says, you know, I, I'm looking for happiness. I, I don't know where to find it. Maybe, maybe I'll have this, uh, this fascinating career and I'll just push and shove and I'll leave, leave everything behind so I can uh, have this career. And this will somehow make me happy. And, and yet there's still an emptiness. You may have conquered many mountains and yet still be empty. You think about uh, homes that we would build in perfection and we say, you know, this is what's going to make me happy. And yet it only makes you happy uh, until it doesn't make you happy anymore. Uh, I watched my dad. Uh, he's in construction in Santa Barbara where they have uh, too many dollars and not enough cents. And he would just... He would work for people and they'd spend lots of money. And then the next year he'd come back to the same house and rip out the things that he'd done before and continue to do this over my lifetime. Just keep doing that. Why? Because your house will never satisfy you. You think about different things and sports and uh, accomplishments and uh, uh, the, the idea of recreation or hobbies. It's never enough, is it? It's never enough. Why? Well, because it isn't Jesus. It's not Him. 
See, this woman had been uh, ruining her life with her choices, looking for what Christ could only provide, but she saw it in relationship and gone over and over. And now, you know, she just continued. And undoubtedly, she'd been carrying the burden of her own sin. Her present sinful life uh, was a constant reminder of her need for Christ, and yet she didn't know. She takes this conversation, as many of us do when we're embarrassed. We want to talk about theology. Hey, let's talk about theology. We do that sometimes here, right? Has anyone, uh, has anyone got anything to share? No, let's talk about the deep things of the Scripture. Because <laughs> I don't want to deal with the stuff in my own heart. She says in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Let's talk about worship. Uh, but you say uh, that Jerusalem is a place to worship. She says, oh, uh, you know, you must be a prophet because you knew all this stuff. Let's move it away from me and let's talk about where's the best place to worship. Where that is. And Jesus once again takes a hold of the conversation And he says, uh, woman, uh, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. I'll talk to you about worship. In fact, that's what you need most. You need to have this worship relationship with the Father, your Father. As uh, this conversation continues, uh, you, you, you watch Jesus Reveal to her her need. And then we see in verse 25. The woman said to him. I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes he will tell us all things. I want to talk to you about the the idea of Messiah. The Jews have been looking for him. In fact. As you look at, uh, you can look at the book of Genesis and right after the fall of man, you see the picture, the first gospel there uh, that God tells us that the one that will come will be the one to crush the head. You see that first picture and then throughout as you walk through the scriptures, the Old Testament, there's this hunger and yearning and placing of historical events that would lead up to the Messiah And so at this point in time, the Jews as well as the Samaritans were looking forward to the Messiah. The the Samaritans had um, a word for Messiah that defined it as the one to restore, to make right. And and so they looked forward to the Messiah. but, But as you, maybe you've sensed this as you look at the scripture for those who don't believe, and even today, The picture of Messiah is a picture of waiting, just waiting, yearning, uh, fumbling through life and stumbling and weary from the steps that go up to waiting for the Messiah to come. The one that was to restore, the one that was to fix, the one that was to redeem and to save. And the woman says, I know he's coming. I know he's coming. But it's just not here yet. 
There's an old uh, Russian Jewish story. It's been told where a man was paid a ruble a month by the community council that he was to stand outside the city uh, and he was to be the one to watch for the Messiah. It was only a ruble, which was a very meager amount. And his friend says to him, uh, you know, uh, it's so little money. And he, he said, you know, I, I realize that the pay is low, but the job is permanent. And the picture, if you've talked to, and there's a sense in us that, that we're always looking and waiting. And that's where they were. Tired of life. The sins that they were committing, the the struggles of everyday life and the emptiness. He says, I I, I know Messiah is coming. And and when he comes, it'll be great, but he's not here yet. He's not here. We can relate to this, can't we? You know, we uh, sometimes grow tired of waiting for our ship to come in, but we still wait. Sometimes the uh, the sin of our daily lives has not made us so expectant. Uh, if Messiah Jesus would show up at our doorstep, we would go, can you come back tomorrow? Uh, the sins of our own heart, the repetition of them over and over, the burden of them ha- has caused us to be not expectant, to not be excited, to not be longing. And yet, even in that state, um, these sins have made us tired of life. We need the Messiah, the one that is to come. We need him. And so you can feel the culmination in this conversation. We're talking about things with a stranger. And then all of a sudden uh, she says, yes, uh, you know, it's already been revealed that she would like this water, that she's tired, that she's different, that she's a Samaritan, that she has all these husbands and that that's been embarrassing and that she's not sure about some theology. And then Jesus brings it down and she says, I know that Messiah will come. And then he says this to her, I who speak to you am he. Throw a party. Throw a party. He's here. He's here. He's come. You can imagine, you know, she's got all this baggage and all this misunderstanding and uh, probably an outcast in her own community as well, struggling with uh all the things that we struggle with of just living, of finances, of relationship, of all these things, and knowing that the burden of her sins make her unfit for a Savior, unfit for relationship, unfit for worship. And she says, I I know the restorer will come, that, that one that we're looking for. I know he will come, but we're still waiting. And he says, I am he. I'm the one. That you speak, the one you're speaking to, I'm that, the Messiah that you look for. That's the reason. That's the reason we throw a party. That's the reason there should be joy. Um, you know what's interesting about birthday parties and uh, events of life? Uh, how many of you have ever been sick on your birthday? 
super fun. You know, your anniversary, a day to celebrate, you'd be sick. I remember uh, sitting down in Bakersfield at Panda Express because we were going to go out for a fancy meal and then I didn't feel well. And so I'm eating a bowl of white rice. That's a way to celebrate. (laughs) What's so interesting is this, that we have life going on, all the, the problems and trials and things that dog our feet. And yet Jesus has come. Because we have trials, does it mean that we shouldn't celebrate? What do you think? You know what? The trials that we have, we should celebrate more. You know why? Because he brings healing. And he can cover those sins that that woman had committed, those broken relationships that she had messed up her life. uh, He was the one to come and cover them. He was the one to make right. And you say, well, I got all kinds of struggles and trials in life. You're, you're right. And that's why you need a Messiah, Christ, the one. This is the reason we celebrate. This morning, as we have looked into this one woman's life and her, her interaction with Jesus, I need to remind you that Uh, Jesus has come. It's not that your trials aren't real. In fact, uh, they are real. Your health issues, your family issues, your loss. But Jesus said, I'm the one. I'm the one. This morning, I hope that encourages you. Uh, If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, it may seem kind of hollow. I want to tell you uh, that he allows you to come into his family. He wants you as part of his family. And he would love to be the one for you. Let's pray and ask that God would remind us of these great things. God, thank you for this morning. Um, As I look in your word and as I see um, this interaction, Jesus and this woman, God, I I wonder... um, at what it would have been like. I wonder uh, what it would have been like for me if I would have been the one he found at the well. God, I ask that you would help us to see clearly that we need the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the one who died, who came to die. God, thank you that you did not leave us on our alone alone to fend for ourselves, but that you have sent us Christ. Help us to celebrate that adequately. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.